This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. I'm Millie Rock on any block. Woo! Drink Hennessy with applesauce. Ah! Take naps all day through the day. Selena says prep for your segment. I say okay. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR. Are the voice of Harlem. I've been listening to previous shows and I sound horrible. I don't know how you guys understand the word I say. We don't. I speak 10,000 words a minute and then I slur. And it made me realize I had to stop coming here drunk. So today <laughs> I only had seven glasses of whiskey before I walked into the studio because I care about you and I care about all of your thoughts. But because you guys can't reach me because I'm in the studio and you don't know the address, you can't stop me if I am drunk. Am I? Maybe. Probably so. Probably. So anyways, guys, we are here and we are having this conversation about big businesses and corporations and how they're ruling the world. But before we go to that point, I just want to mention that if you missed the first half of the show, we talked about Cuba and how America and Cuba had beef to begin with and how that beef is slowly subsiding because a black guy is cool with Fidel Castro and Raul. And we may see a day when the embargo with Cuba is gone. And then we had our news roundup where we talked about some of the things that were going on period panties, whether it was the period panties. Um, I guess commercials on a train whatever you want to call those posters up there and then we talked about the bill that would remove taxes from tampons which is a good thing for women um, doesn't really bother me much I don't care so it means your girlfriend spends less money exactly and she, she got more money to spend she could take, take you your, your birthday she, she could take you out to Red Lobster so it does <laughs> affect you oh yeah I'm going to Red Lobster today anyways guys <laughs> listen to Beyonce you'll understand later so anyways um and then we talked to Chad, who said he's been getting some attacks from Trump supporters who don't like some of his posts, which is weird because when I post things, Selena reports me and she tells me she's going to report me. So maybe they should be like her and just tell me to my face right before they press the report button. I do report people all the time, what by are, the way. What are you on for? You know, you're not on Twitter. You I might be reporting on Facebook. No, Instagram. I report people on Instagram. I've Why? reported family members when they put offensive things up that I think should all the time. All the time. Why don't you just suggest it with them directly? Well, some people I don't know, I report them and then I unfollow. Some people are like ridiculous. They'll put up full-blown sexual intercourse photos on Instagram and they'll be like, so bored right now. I I (laughs) don't report people. I have done it a couple times where I've seen like blatant, like, racist hate speech that's like really really like the n-word yeah oh wow (laughs) that is see i the only time i've ever reported something is like when it's a threat when it seems like an actual threat against a person or a group um but you know like i i have to come down and play the other the bad card like you know there's a lot of speech that i find objectionable that Mm -hmm. i disagree with especially when people say racist things like the Mm -hmm. n-word or like the things that are posted on things trump supporters say which is a great facebook page yeah that uh you know but you know what like i you know like at the same time like as a civil rights attorney like i may not agree with what you have to say but i'll defend your right to say it even if it's objectionable so long as it doesn't cross the line into being actually violent and you know threatening so let me ask you, ask you guys a question and you can just give me a yes no answer please just roll with me guys we know what happened what if, the last time <laughs> <laughs> no we don't i erased that part from the show no one knows now no but what if you had a situation where there was someone on instagram who was posting all these different like hate things on there and they were posting weird pornographic things and you tried to unfollow them but you couldn't and you tried to report them and nothing happened they were completely autonomous and then when you asked why you were like well they have fifty thousand followers how would you feel about that, Selena? Well, sorry, pardon me. Would you? Do you think like that'd be fair? Yes or no? No. Alyssa? Fair for what? 
Would just no, just please clarify the yeah. question. I'll answer sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. So, would you, do you think it'd be fair that you would not be able to report someone for posting inappropriate things on Instagram? Not because be able I, to. No, yes. I, I think you should be able to. Whether or not you should do it is different. Okay, Jackie. Yeah, I agree with Melissa. All right, thank you. So the reason I asked this question, and I linked it to Instagram because I wanted to make it as relatable as possible. Yes. What we are facing right now, and thank you guys so much for <laughs> rolling You're with so punches. Welcome. <laughs> Except for you, Jackie, stupid Ooh. loser. Um. What we are facing right now are 25 corporations who exist in this universe, and they are so powerful. They have so much money. They have so many lawyers <coughs> that, that they, are, they are almost autonomous to entire countries. And what do I mean by that? That they can pretty much go wherever they want to find the best package. So there's an organization that provides consulting to Nestle and Walmart and GM Motors, and they just evade taxes by whenever... Taxes come their way or they're told they have to pay taxes, they'll pick up their entire organization and move to a new place. So they were in Ireland. They moved to Switzerland. And now they're in the Cayman Islands. And no one can stop them because they literally have more money than all the than the countries they've been in. So when the countries go to attack them, they just let off their team of lawyers and the conversation is dead in the water. This is the situation we're facing right now. So... To put it in basic terms, this is like the Instagram user who has 50,000 followers. And because they have so much followers and so much influence, Instagram's like, you know what? We can't really do anything about them. But instead of just, you know, maybe turning off your Instagram and not using it anymore, when you're dealing with corporations this powerful, there's no way you can turn away from them. So corporations like Walmart, corporations like Twitter, which has $2.92 billion in available assets today, Organizations like Nestle, who, even though California has a water drought, can continue to use as much water as they would like and has over $1.3 billion in available assets, have more money than entire countries. And not just regular countries like, you know, Haiti or maybe a Jamaica or maybe um, a Venezuela. No, I'm talking about Apple, which has more available funds as we speak than the United States of America. And now you're asking yourself this question, how did these companies get so big that they could just evade all responsibility and power from any other country? Well, the answer is a lot simpler than you could expect. It's us. And when I say us, I mean American people, I mean voters, I mean elected officials from the U.S., from Europe, from England, from all over the world who have put them in a position to do whatever they want. And in this conversation, we're going to be breaking down how we got to a point where the U.S. and other places have a serious situation of runaway inequality, how these corporations are growing in power, what they're doing to grow in power, and what we can do about it. And to start off this conversation, I have just a very simple question, and it's a bit left field, but I want you guys to work with me so what do you think the pay ratio is between a ceo and a regular worker so what i mean by that is like is it 10 to 1 5 to 1 things like, like that 30 so, to 1 so let's just say 30 to 1 jackie what do you think oh i don't know i I'll, feel like I'll, Alyssa would know i'll come back <laughs> to you then selena 100 to 1 100 to 1 a thousand to 1 a thousand to 1 all right so you guys want to know the answer yeah. wait wait are we playing the prices right i'll put one more dollar <laughs> on that <laughs> The person who gets it the closest, I will buy them a beer. And Selena, I'll buy you a sippy cup. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, Apple so juice. You, you, wanna know what, you don't know what the real ratio is? What is it? 844 to 1. So I win. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, that's right, Selena. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was getting a sippy cup. Yo, right. you're buying her a beer. I'm going to hold you to that. No you got to buy me wine no I'm allergic to, to you. beer. Have some more beer, Jackie. Oh, no. So, for every $1 a person in this room makes, a CEO makes $844. Literally. 
It's not even a joke. And you're asking yourself, how did this happen? We all know it happened because what companies started to do was give CEOs stocks in the company. So the better the company did, the more money you made. And one of those nice, funny laws that Ronald Reagan helped to get rid of or helped to relax was stock buybacks. Because one of the ways you can increase the value of your company is by buying back the stock. So what would hap- what's happening now and what you're seeing is these companies go public and then they're buying back their own stocks. And the fewer stocks that there are available, the higher the value of your company goes. So now, and because there's no regulation on this, there's no taxing on this, the value of the company is going up, the, the paycheck of the CEO is going up, and the pay of the regular worker is going down because they're taking money from supportive services to workers and for trainings and higher salaries to pay, to pay for buying back these stocks. And all of a sudden, that gap is expanding. And then all of a, when you have a country like, say, U.S. that says, well, this is getting weird. We need to tax you for this. These companies have so much money. And because of globalization and the power of the Internet, they are literally moving. Or, or they – can I just jump in for a second? Yes. Or they convince poor people that – you know, if that the government is there's too much government and mm-hmm. that, you know, they're going to raise your taxes and everything's going to go to hell. And, you know, they scream communism whenever you talk about uh, social democracy. Yeah. And so they convince poor people that would benefit from democratic policies of taxing the rich at a higher rate mm-hmm. to believe that that is, you know, going to lead to communist Russia and that, you know, we can never do that. And then they vote for Republicans that then increase the power and the monetary value of some of these corporations. Very true. So, and like Alyssa mentioned, and, it, and they can't do that. They completely move and go to a new place and more or less take over that country because they have more money and resources than them. So, I want to go back to what Alyssa was talking about just now so I can include you guys in the conversation. And if you guys listening want to be included as well, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. And my question for you is why has there been so much pushback from from poor people who these policies hurt? And I'm throwing it because, back out there, guys. Because they've been sold the propaganda that is Fox News and the right-wing media for yeah. so long. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday when we did our guest appearance on 950 uh, Lounge. If you missed that yesterday, you should definitely check it out. We'll post the link sometime later today. Uh, but that's a big part of what I talked about when I talked about this year's presidential race, is that you have a lot of disenfranchised people on the right that are going for Donald Trump and a lot of disenfranchised people on the left that are going for Bernie Sanders. And a big part of that is the income inequality issue, is that people... People feel like they're working harder than ever before, and yet their wages are remaining stagnant, and they want to know why. And people on the left will explain it as, well, because we keep giving tax cuts to the rich. But people on the right will explain it as there's too much government. I also think that there is a sort of misconception by lower-income whites in this country that opportunity still exists, right? That this is the land of opportunity, that if you make it, if you work hard enough, you can be the one that's the CEO that's making this large income. And so that's where we see this differentiation where oftentimes you see lower income communities of color who are like, well, not for us because we are still people of color. So it doesn't matter how successful we are in our industry. Like we we don't have the same opportunity as white folks and white folks see themselves in these bigger offices, right, in these large corporate um, communities. And so they say, oh, you know, for my kids, if they go to college or if, you know, I work hard enough, I can make something of myself, even if that possibility is so remote because, Oftentimes you see these really rich, you know, 
Ivy League grads stepping into this office that have already been born into privilege and then continue to accrue um, a tremendous amount of wealth that they've already been born into. So I think that that's where it really stems from. There's certainly a certain amount of propaganda coming from the media. Um, but I think that ultimately we see this differentiation between poor whites that see themselves um, and, and have this misconception, right, that opportunity still exists, where I don't really think it does for most people. Lena? Um, to answer your question, uh, another thing that the GOP has done really well when it comes to propaganda um, and using that to galvanize lower class white people and to get their votes is blaming illegal immigration. Right. right. This is something that Donald Trump has propagated his whole campaign around. He talks about banning and sending back every single 11.7 million undocumented immigrants back to their homeland countries and even banning Muslims and, and Syrian refugees from coming to our country. Basically, what he's telling lower class white people is the reason why you don't have a job, the reason why you don't have access to upward mobility, the reason why you don't have opportunity in our country is because an, uh, an undocumented person is taking your job and taking your position and taking your livelihood. And, they've, and, and he has succeeded. Right. There are so many people that come out to these rallies. They've even banned this peaceful, his, um, his peaceful Islamic woman was at this um, Donald Trump rally and they booed her out. They were like, leave, get out. And right. all of this hatred is just being used to distract people. Well, to jump off of that and to really address what I mentioned before, ultimately why we see young people going out for Bernie and these massive numbers nobody understands. They're like, oh, why are they going out for this old white guy? But this old white guy is very skeptical of corporations that have taken advantage corporations, banks, you know, big industries have taken advantage of young people who don't see that opportunity available of any ethnicity or socioeconomic background because even people that were born into some wealth and the steady middle class right have been burdened with such tremendous student loan debt and they see their opportunity just completely wiped away so you see these older generations going out for trump because they still are deluded enough to think that they have a chance but young people especially young college graduates who are saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that have to take jobs that they don't want to be able just to get out of debt because they've been set back from the get-go um, are a little, I think, more realistic about the future of this country. I so thank you very much for that, guys. We do have to go on a quick break. Before we do, I want to make sure we get to one of our callers. We have two callers on the line right now. Right. So Jade, he was talking about how he thinks that it has more sort of do with how the, the government perceives us. So Jade, let your voice be heard. Yes. Um, thank you. Um, uh, I'm listening to the conversation. And I, I deal with this all the time in my head. And, well, you see, there are different kind of people in this world. We have, um, okay, we have uh, so-called, we have, in America, we identify ourselves as black. We identify as and white. But it, that's an envelope. But if you open that envelope of black and white, you'll see who you are dealing with. And right now, as long as we use black and white, you're fighting an invisible opponent. You must identify and get to know who you're dealing with. We are, like Donald Trump, for instance, right? Um, the people who appeal to him, or he appeals to so far, are people with, you see the character they have. A lot of them, they want to fight, they want to punch. You know, um, those are, those, Donald Trump, those are, those are people who have mostly dual citizenship between this country and Israel. That's what's going on here. 
Thank you very much for letting your voice be heard, Jay. We do have to go on a quick break. When we come back, I'll give a, a bit of a response to Jay's comment, and we'll continue our conversation. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. What you heard before I came back on air was Brother Dalton with the God Squad turning up for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about Brother Dalton. That man is the coolest guy I know. And I'm not really a big gospel fan, but there are two songs that I love from gospel. Ultralight Beam from Kanye West and whatever Brother Dalton is playing. So make sure you check out his show whenever you are available. He's on from 6 a.m. until 11 a.m. on Sundays. But anyways, guys, bringing us back here. And right before we left, we had a caller on our line by the name of Jay who said that people are focusing on the black and white and it's not the black and white. It is the black and white. It actually very much so is the black and white. Racism and institutionalized racism plays a big part in what we're seeing and this country and rising income inequality and corporation power. And Jackie mentioned something about people who are rich, who have money, they can like kind of move forward. A black, a black college graduate over the course of their life will have less wealth than a white high school dropout. So a black college graduate, average wealth is about $25,000. A white college drop, high school dropout is $48,000. And this is not just something made up. This actually comes from the Labor, um, the Labor Institute. And this is a very real problem that we're facing. But I know Selena made up some comments, and Alyssa wanted to push back on that. So I want to throw it back to Alyssa. No, I actually wasn't pushing back on it. I was pointing out the hypocrisy of something that Selena mentioned earlier about the rhetoric. You asked a question about what do you think convinces poor or whiter people to vote for Republicans. That was like how you opened this. Selena mentioned something about how on one hand, uh, they're saying that um, illegal immigrants are taking your jobs, right? But another, on the other hand, another thing that you hear from that group of white Americans is that illegal immigrants are taking free stuff, right? They're all on welfare. They're all taking free stuff. So it's like, which is it, right? Because it can't be both. Either A, the immigrants are taking your jobs, or B, they're taking your money because they're collecting welfare. But it's not either. It's either they're not lazy or they are lazy, but it's not both. And so even that line coming from the right makes no sense because it's totally hypocritical and it doesn't fit with any narrative. It's just the kind of stuff that they are being sold. Thank you very much for listening. And it's very true. So we do have Brother Omar on the line. He's back for another round with us. Brother Omar, let your voice be heard. You know, uh, the, the sad part about this conversation is it's all of the above. Okay, when when you discriminate against 50, close to 52% of the population, which happens to be female, some of our brightest minds, what do you expect? How many, how many women are on the boards there on Wall Street or Madison Avenue? You could count them probably on one hand, okay? I just lost a cousin who graduated the top of her class, Harvard University. At the, we just buried her yesterday. He's a lawyer, 40, 41 years, uh, 46 years young. No one, never, no one even heard of her, but she was working for this corporate uh, establishment. She could have been running it. Okay, No one even heard of this young lady, but she was tops in her class at Harvard University. So when you look at the way we treat our women, and we, uh, our female population, they've always been second-hand, uh, second-class citizens, rather. And these are some of our brightest minds. Absolutely. I mean, think about the top-earning industries, certainly in this country alone, right, in finance, in technology. You don't see many people of color. You don't see women, and you definitely don't see women of color. I mean, they are so underrepresented in these top-paying industries. And even when you find women 
in technology, in finance, in business, you don't see them in managerial roles, right? You don't see them as directors. You don't see them as CEOs. Maybe you see them in HR or marketing at higher levels, but that's it. You don't see women in these top roles in leadership positions. So even though your company can boast that you're hiring women and that you're an equal opportunity employer and that you're you know casting a wide of the net as possible, and at the lower level, you're hiring minorities, you're hiring women, if you're not promoting within your company and promoting women and promoting people of color um, and disenfranchised groups within your own company. And I mean, it doesn't happen. What we see at the top of all these industries is white men, typically, maybe once in a while, a white woman, but it's very rare for even that. I think we're starting to starting to see things shift, but there's been a serious pushback on by corporations to kind of skirt away. And I want to talk about that. But before we do, we do have a caller online who's been very patient. I want to make sure we get to him. James, let your voice be heard. Oh, hello. Hi, James. Okay. I understand the issue of the uh, employment of uh, these politicians that are putting. I don't know if you you remember the phone company in New York and in the United States hired nearly, I would say, over a trillion women to work on the telephonic system as switch operators. Today, you hardly ever hear any women... In the, in the telephone business because the phone company was broken up because it became a monopoly. And secondly, a lot of those women that worked as telephone operators were replaced with computers. Now, a good percentage of the jobs today are being replaced by computers and technology. So in a sense that employment will come to a, almost to a point where only certain jobs will be open to people that are connected but the majority of the people that work will no longer have a job anymore. Thank you very much, James, for those comments. I just want to make a bit of a course correction. I don't know the exact number, but I'm pr- about 99.9% sure it was not a was trillion not a women. Jackie? I mean, that's an interesting argument that you hear a lot. It's sort of a Luddite argument, like that technology is going to uh, remove all jobs. And I don't know that I completely agree. I think that there still is innovation, but who knows? I can't predict the future. And I think that a lot of jobs have been either taken over by technology or have been outsourced to to cheaper labor in other parts of the world, which Thank is which is something that corporations do because they don't their their purpose is to make money. Thank and you so, so much for that, Jackie. Yeah. And I'm, I'm jumping on top of you like that because I want to beat you up, obviously. One, but go two, because it. you go, you jump right into the point that I want to get to. So one of the ways that these corporations have been skirting the laws and getting away from paying people equal wages and hiring women, their pushback has been by taking their businesses elsewhere. GM can take their business to Mexico where the labor is way cheaper and the, and the regulations are a lot lower. So they don't have to worry about things like polluting the water or paying someone a living wage or providing health insurance. And the question I want to ask you guys is, we know why America is so screwed up, but a lot of these other countries are not, a lot of these other developed nations are not as like deep in income, income and wage inequality as America is. So why are these corporations so able to get away with doing these things in, say, England or um, Italy and other places like that? And I saw Alyssa's hands raised, so I want to make sure I get to her first. So, Alyssa? Well, actually, I don't, I'm not going to answer your question, so you should skip me because I was actually going to make a comment. Okay, no problem. So, Jackie? So why can they get away with doing yeah. this? Because, again, their sole purpose, I mean, it's, it's like within, it's their fiduciary responsibility as a corporation to do whatever it takes to make the most profit. Well, yeah, we understand that. 
that. And we, but like, it's their fiduciary responsibility to make money, but countries and governments have power to try and regulate them. So now we know that when America tries to regulate, Got they it. move to other places. Right. Sometimes they go to, to underdeveloped countries where they can use their money and influence to kind of run how that system is going to function. So you see a lot of companies that move to certain countries in Africa because they want to go there and strip them of their, all their resources. Telephone companies aren't in certain parts of Africa right now shipping them of resources and, um, and part of, I'm having a bit of a brain freeze, but like, you know, there's certain like grains that over there they used to build cell phones with, and you can get it over there for dirt cheap because labor is so low, if even if it's any labor cost at all. And I saw Selena's hands raised too, so I want to get to her. I want I wanted to answer your question. I, want, I don't know if this is the correct answer, but I'm thinking maybe the, the reason why these corporations are getting away with it is because they're in cahoots with the government. I mean, a lot of government officials, I don't feel, um, are, are more privy to corruption and to make money as long as they're getting a piece of the deal. We see that a lot when it comes to Washington, our, yes. our, our legislators and lobbyists. Like, how many politicians are in bed with lobbyists? You right. see that on the left and you see that on the right, even totally. with candidates like Hillary Clinton. So I think that, you know, money does r- run the world. But you know what runs the world even more? Greed. And yeah. everybody is greedy. Well, I mean, that has been the, you know, the the crux of the Bernie Sanders campaign, which is that there is too much money in politics, right? And what does money buy? Money buys influence. And what do you have when you have influence? You have power. And so part of the reason why these corporations have been able to amass so much power it has to do with the fact that there's been so much money injected into the political system that is given to politicians who then take that money and they use it to benefit big moneyed corporate interests that are supplying them the money to keep their campaigns running, to keep lining their pockets, to keep them going on all these trips all over the world, visiting different places. And they like those things. They, they, the politicians like to have money and power. They need the money to get reelected. So they keep taking the money from the corporations and the corporations need the politicians to pass favorable legislation such as tax breaks and loopholes that allow corporations to move their business offshore to offshore the money, et cetera, et cetera. So there is, as Bernie Sanders has said numerous times, a feedback loop between the amount of money that is injected into the political system and the amount of benefits that big corporations get that allow them to grow big and to grow powerful. So my question for you is, say it was a perfect world and we have politicians ready to cooperate. How do we stop these big corporations from getting away with this kind of murder? I mean, if the politicians would stop them from getting away from this, from this, from this type of murder. Say they were ready for it, but they didn't know what to do. What would we want them to do? Well, I mean. Taxes. Raise yes. taxes on corporations. Close loopholes that allow close corporations to, to move their money offshore. Uh, I would also like to see them change that a lot of corporations actually move their corporate headquarters overseas so that they can avoid paying U.S. taxes. There should be a reverse tax on that. And actually, funny enough, some of the, one of the things that, believe it or not, and even a broken clock is right twice a day, Donald Trump has provo- pro- promoted some kind of tariff tax. Like there was an article in the New York Times this morning about an air conditioner company called Carrier. They moved their plants to Mexico because it was cheaper to make the goods in Mexico. Donald Trump would actually tax them to bring goods back in to sell those goods back in the United States. I don't agree with any pretty much anything else that's part of the Trump platform, but that's another way that you can make it so that companies don't want to go to Mexico, which is if it's going to cost them more money to have to import that good back into America, they're going to keep the factory here and they're going to make the goods here in America. Jackie? Yeah, I mean, I think both of you summed it up. Closed loopholes, we need to get out of bed with these corporations and our elected officials have to be held accountable. I mean, there are like conferences held where by 
um, heads of industry and ex-political leaders that talk about how to move your money overseas, right? Like how to move your money to the Caymans or move it to Europe. Um, there are like workshops being held. I mean, this is like such a systemic issue. It's not like a shady, like, oh, they're secretly doing this. It's like well known that this is what corporations do to make the most money. And it's it's out of control at this but point. It, here's the thing. These companies don't necessarily have to cover that, like, be responsible for that tax. Because say you, you move your headquarters to, I don't know, um, Afghanistan, just because that's the first place I can think of. Oh, because of online purchasing now, you can have people purchase your things online and have it shipped from there. And whatever the extra tax is, put it on the back of the consumer. Because your overhead is going to be is going to be so much lower anyway, that tax probably wouldn't seem like a big deal to a consumer. So how does that? How, so those taxes might help on the front end with America, but how do you stop that? Well, because then the consumers don't buy the good. If the good is right. too expensive, then I'm not going to buy it. And if I don't buy it, then you're not going to make any money. But the thing is, if their if their expenses go down, well, they can price it at a point where they still make a lot of money hand over fist, but it's still decently priced for consumers. So let's look at Amazon. They have so many things now that they can price books or other products a little bit lower than just the general market can. So even though we know Amazon treats their workers poorly and that we know that Amazon makes it so that it's harder for things like bookstores to exist anymore, people invest their money into it and their products because they know it's cheaper. Right. No, I mean, Stanley, I think that's the reality that we're living in, where technology is has taken over so many markets. It's taken people's jobs. And I think it's even taken over industries. And I think that we are definitely moving in that direction where you can have an entire industry just built online and you can definitely evade taxes that way. Yeah. And I think we're moving in that direction. And that's the point that I want to get to, because we can do these taxes. We can talk about all these things that elected officials are doing. But. How do we regulate what the other countries are doing? How, what are we going to do to put some kind of accountability online? How does that work, Jackie? Well, even beyond online, right, labor practices and things like that, I mean, we, it's very difficult. We're talking about a global economy. It's very difficult. And that's part of the problem here is that because we have better labor laws, right, like children are not allowed to work um, to manufacture goods in this country, right? So the issue is that corporations then find countries where that is allowed and acceptable. And re- typically, they're only, they only change their practices when consumers find out and admonish them and stop buying their product because of their labor practices. So I think that in general, there should be more transparency, um, mandated transparency, because I do think that consumers tend to um, prefer better labor practices and better... Um, just consumption practices in general, right? So there should be more transparency so that the consumer knows what they're buying and then they can make an educated choice because what we see is that oftentimes people just don't always opt for the cheapest thing, right? Despite what we think, despite what human nature seems to suggest. It's not always about buying the cheapest thing. When you find out that your jeans are being made by a 12-year-old child who's working 20 hours a day, and you know that, and that's presented to you as fact, you might be less likely to pick up another pair of jeans from H&M, right? Um, So there should be more consumer awareness and transparency. All right. I want to stop it right here, actually. And the reason I want to do that is because I want you guys to have a feeling of being incomplete and not having had a chance to really discuss everything and also not having all the answers. Because the truth is, we really do not have all of the answers at all. We are stuck in a situation right now where the average CEO is making $844 per hour for every dollar you make per hour, where the average family, white family, has the overall wealth 
of $151,000, Latino family $6,000, and the black family $5,000, where you have college graduates who are in so much debt that they cannot even account whatever their income is as actual money because it's all going back to paying bills, and corporations are getting bigger and bigger, so much bigger that they don't even have to be accountable to the countries that they were founded in because if things get too tough, they can shift somewhere else. What am I saying? Am I saying that there's nothing that you can do about it? I am absolutely not saying that. What I am saying, though, is you should be very, very afraid because when Apple products has more money than the entire United States of America and two-thirds of the the most powerful countries in this world, we are in a position where the love of money and the love of power has superseded the love of people or even functioning governments. If you are frustrated, if you are angry, understand that raising taxes on the rich and on corporations is one step, but it is not the only step. It is not the only answer. We have to find a space where we can hold people accountable, shift the way the conversation has been going from how do I get this corporation richer to how do we make sure that everyone has their fair share and everyone can grow if they want to without doing it on the backs of others. But you know what? The only way we might be able to do that is by destroying the whole system. And I don't know if you guys are ready for that. But until then, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be the quickie. And we'll tell you all about that guy, Merrick, who Obama appointed. I kind of like him. Just kidding. (laughs) 